Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Good evening everyone. It is um a joyous occasion that we gather to celebrate the risen Christ. Amen. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So it is fitting because it is still Easter to take a pause from our series in 1st um, Corinthians. Uh, we are supposed to be in chapter 16 tonight, uh, but we will take a pause to sort of bring a close to this weekend where we were remembering our Savior, His, his death, His burial, and His resurrection. As I was preparing this, I was reminded that, that Easter is one of two of the most attended services in churches. Easter and Christmas are the two highest attended events in the life of the local church. I also learned that, it's, that Mother's Day is actually becoming one of the other services that are mostly attended in the life of the church. Now, the two events that are mostly attended, specifically Easter and Christmas, are the two events that changed the trajectory of human history. It changed the trajectory of the landing place of our souls on the other side of eternity. The birth and subsequent death of Jesus Christ are crucial not only to our souls here today post the New Testament, but are also crucial to the, to the souls of the saints of old. The salvation of humanity rests on the birth and the death of Jesus Christ. So I've titled my sermon tonight, We Don't Get Easter Without Christmas. We don't get Easter without Christmas. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, and we'll start reading from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2, and verse 1 reads, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attended to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? The, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Verse 9. 
But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for who, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should have the founder of their, of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children of God and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things through death. He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And God, tonight as we come to you, we, we do pray that you would show us Christ. As we come to the end of this Easter weekend, God, we know that the, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a message that we are to carry every single day of our lives. Lord, it is the gospel of Christ that, that brings us to you, but it is also the gospel of Christ that keeps us with you. And so, God, I pray that as I proclaim your word this day, that, God, you would purify me that you'd help me, my God, to speak as, as one who has been called by you, to speak words that you have given to me. And the recipients of your word, Lord, I, the recipients of your word, I pray that their hearts are receptive, that their hearts have been made soft by your spirit, that, God, you would be able to convict them of sin and, Lord, call them to righteousness. God, may this be a blessed time of worship through the preaching of your word. May your hand be seen over it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I would like us to consider tonight is listen and listen carefully. Listen and listen carefully. Again, if you read with me verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Have you noticed how we as humans are sometimes so hard-headed? If I had to ask you now, do you know anyone who's hard-headed, you might just point someone in this room. Because we all are hard-headed at times. We want to test. Before we are warned of how hot the fire is, we want to try for ourselves. And only after we have burned, then we will also say, yeah, 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 don't do that because it is hot. I will give you an example. You are driving with a friend or your wife or your father, and they say to you, I think you should slow down or you will get a speeding ticket. How do you respond? 
Yes, yes, you're right, you're right. I should. But do you? <laughs> nope. Then, like we know in South Africa, out of the bushes, dawned in blue, leaps out this man or woman with a great smile from ear to ear, pointing right between your eyes and asking you to pull over. It is the traffic officer. He says to you, sir, ma'am, you were driving 112 in an 80 zone. And for exceeding the speed limit by more than 30 kilometers per hour, this is an immediate arrest. You at this point are sweating buckets. All the stories you've heard about jail are just flashing before your eyes. Your life has come to an end. You are faced now with the ethical dilemma to cold drink or not to cold drink. But we won't go into that because fortunately, he lets you go with a warning. Now you have that walk of shame back into your car. What do you think you'll hear from your friend? I told you so. If only you had listened. Why are you so stubborn? Why are you so hard at hearing? Next time, I promise you, it's true, they won't let you go. The author here is saying the same to us. He is saying, pay careful attention. Listen to me. But it's, it's important that we note that when he says, pay much closer attention, he's not just saying, listen, but he's saying, do. Do what is written, lest you drift away. The consequences of not listening to what I am saying is not just a speeding ticket, but it is the destiny of your soul. Do not neglect these words that you have heard. The author is in the middle of building an argument. He started this argument in chapter 1 where he was showing us that Christ is superior to angels. He was arguing in chapter 1 that Jesus is not just an angel. In fact, Jesus was worshipped by angels and, and then not only was he worshipped by angels, but he in fact is God. And now in chapter 2, we are informed by the therefore in verse 1, that in light of the fact that Christ is superior than the angels, in light of the fact that the angels were messengers of God, listen all the more to the message that will come from Jesus himself. Pay careful attention because he is God's son. So listen, pay careful attention because he is the heir of all things. You see that in chapter 1. So listen, pay careful attention because it is he who has made the world. Take heed. Listen, folks. This message is to a people who are saved. This message is also to a people who are churched but maybe not saved. This message is also to a people who have been engaged. So it's basically a message to a people of all of us here in South Africa. As you sit where you are seated there, you have heard of Jesus. In Easter, Jesus is spoken about often. And some of you, praise God, have believed in Christ. 
but they are those who have not fastened the anchor of their soul to Jesus Christ. They have not fastened the anchor of their salvation to Jesus Christ through faith, and so they drift away to the ocean of God's wrath. This message is to sound the alarm. If you are a believer, have you fastened your soul to the anchor of Christ through the gospel? Is your life being shaped or fashioned by the reality of the gospel? Or have you drifted away? The image of drifting away is the image of a boat that has parked on the harbor and the guy has thought that he has tied it uh, to the anchor on the side. But slowly, as the wind goes and as the tide rises, you see this boat slowly drifting into the wilderness. That could be you, O believer. Have you switched the gospel of Christ, maybe for academic success, maybe for financial success, maybe for fame amongst friends? Have you compromised on the message of the gospel for joys today? This message is to sound the alarm. We've heard about Jesus from Friday, but today as we go back into our normal lives, remember the message of Jesus. There is no thing, there is no person either than Jesus who you can fasten your soul to that will give you security. In fact, anything outside of Jesus, anyone outside of Jesus will leave you drifting in the ocean, drowning in the wrath of God for all eternity. The argument that the writer to the Hebrews is making here is those who have drifted were those who were inattentive. Those who thought that they could graduate from the message. Friends, the gospel must infiltrate every aspect of our lives. An author said, people seldom lose their religion by a blowout. You know when you're driving on the freeway and your tire just blows out? He says, people seldom lose their religion by a blowout. It is usually a slow leak. This message does not get us through the door. The message of Jesus Christ is not just a key to get us in, but it is what keeps us in. It is a point of reference for us when we are experiencing hardship. The message of Jesus is a point of reference for us when we are going through conflict. It is a point of reference to us when we are experiencing great joys. And it is also an encouragement to us in the midst of hardship and sorrow and pain. Please do not forsake the message of Jesus. The author goes on to say, For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. He's saying, hey, look at the Old Testament. The, the, the letter of the law was credible. The law was written by Moses. It was given to him by the angels. And it was, it was saying, it was telling them that, hey, God is holy. God is a God who punishes sin. Hey, look at the law. The law told you to, that all the deeds that you've done in your flesh will receive that you reward. Deeds in the flesh will receive condemnation. And deeds done in righteousness will receive life and blessing. But the message of the law 
was a message that used types and shadows and was in many ways a lesser message and a message from the old covenant. But so the argument that is happening here is if you still listen, if we listen to that message, if the law was something to abide in, this was brought by the angels to Moses. How much more should we listen to the message that has been brought to us by Christ himself? A communicator, sorry, a commentator, whoops, uh, concluded that a greater word brought by a greater person having greater promises will bring greater condemnation if it is neglected. The word that we have from Jesus today is a word that is completed, a word that is no longer a mystery, a word that is no longer types and shadows, but it is from God himself. Look at verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Did you notice what he says there? He, he, we don't need to be great open sinners in order to perish. It is merely a matter of neglect. You don't have to trouble yourself with hating the gospel, resisting the gospel, opposing the gospel. You can be lost simply by neglecting it. Neglect of the gospel is a dangerous place to find yourself, dear saints. These four verses are a sermon in themselves. But I wanted to emphasize the incarnation of Jesus tonight. Friends, the warning is real. The warning is necessary, and the question is clear. Have you neglected the message of Christ? How did this message come? Consider verses 3b to verse 4. It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to those who heard. The Lord Jesus Christ himself declared it by his righteous life. He declared the message by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The life of Jesus Christ was the actual message being grafted, being written in the pages of history even before the apostles put pen to paper. He was fulfilling prophecy, but he was also giving us revelation of God. Number two, they were to follow, the apostles were then to follow Jesus and write what they have heard and what they have seen with their own eyes. Number three of how we got this message is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also gives witness to this message. He doesn't give us a new message. He brings clarification, conviction, and application to the message of the incarnation of Jesus Christ and his atoning work on Calvary. And so the signs and the wonders and the various miracles and the gifts are actually to direct our attention to the message of the Son of God. It is sad that today the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the gifts are to direct your attention to the so-called man of God. That was never the intention. It was to point us to Jesus. The, the, the Holy Spirit gives witness of Jesus Christ. 
And so the next point, look and look intently. Look and look intently. Look at verse 5. For, was it not to angels that God subject? for, sorry, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. The original Greek actually says this stronger. It, it starts with the Greek word u, which is just O-U, which means not. And what the author is saying here is that the world to come is absolutely not subject to angels. Friends, I want you to pause for a second. You can listen to me talking about angels and just think, hey, maybe this is not important. But I want you to listen to this. Jesus Christ did not intend that he would rule and reign the world to come with angels. Now listen to what angels I'm talking about. He will not rule and reign the world to come with those angels who did not rebel against him. Those angels that remain faithful in service and worship at him. The author says here, he will absolutely not subject the world to come to them, but he chose us. Those angels that not even for a second disobeyed Christ, the world to come will not be subject to them, but to you and to me who have believed in Jesus Christ. Let that sink in. Christ did not come to take the form of an angel to redeem fallen angels, but he took on the likeness of man to redeem fallen mankind so that salvation can be, salva- can be available to you and to me. Do you believe? Job responds. Listen to Job. Job chapter 7, verse 17 to 18. Think about the words that I've just said and listen to what what Job says. This is a right response. What is man that you magnify him and that you are concerned about him and that you examine him every morning and try him every moment? Or consider the words of the psalmist in Psalm 144 verse 3. Oh Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him or the son of man that you think of him? Friends, the reason why I chose to go through these passages, we need to emphasize the humanity of Christ as we do his deity. Christ became flesh. We do not have Easter without Christmas. There is no death without his birth. Consider verses 6. He says, it has been testified somewhere what What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? What he is quoting here is the psalm of David in Psalm chapter 9. And in that psalm, the psalmist is is declaring the grandeur of God's great design. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That is verse 1. But I want you to see through Three things that we can find from verse 7 to 8 from our text. Thing number one I want you to consider is look at what was to be. Look at what was to be. Consider verse 7 and 8. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subject under his feet. So again, the author, the author is quoting Psalm 8 as, as a, a declaration of God's initial purpose of man in the garden. 
Man was to be kings. We were to be co-regents or, co- or joint rulers with God on earth as we bear his image. We were to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on earth. We were crowned with glory and honor. The psalmist shows us that this great masterpiece of God's great design was given to us little creatures to be stewards of it. It was this thought that got David to respond, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. So look at what was to be, but also look at where we are. Again, verse 8b, he says, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. We failed this task. When sin came into the world, man relinquished this authority to the angels, specifically to fallen angels. We have given our dominion to the devil and his hosts. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Consider 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Adam had forfeited his rule. The devil now rules this world that is riddled with sin. He now rules this world that is filled with pain and suffering. He is the prince of the power of this age that is dying. We who are to rule the world have now become subject to it. And the Lord now has to call us out of loving this world. The Lord now has to call us out of a worship of this world. The Lord now has to call us out of surrendering our wills to this world that has fallen. But, 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 look at what will be. Verse 9, but we see him for a little while, we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone, but there's a strong contrast there. There's a strong contrast coming. What the, what the author is doing here, he's now turning our attention away from Adam and he's saying, consider the second and better Adam, born of a virgin, Jesus Christ, who is far above all principalities, powers and dominion. He comes and is crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering and death. But that is interesting. As we see in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, Christ's exaltation, Christ's preeminence over the angels was paradoxically achieved through the humiliation and death. He not only experiences the pangs of death, but he experienced what death really is. Christ, he drank that cup. 
That same cup that he prayed to his father. Father, won't you take this cup? He took that bitter cup that got him praying in anguish. He drank that cup to its full. He did this for you and for me. Jesus is the second and better Adam who obeyed God at every point. He fulfilled the will of the father and he gave his life as a ransom for many. It is Christ who, when he was tempted, did not give in. I love the words of Spurgeon who says, in light of this passage, Oh, how glorious it is to realize our position in Christ and to see how he has lifted us up, not merely to the place from which the first Adam fell, but he has made us stand so securely there that we shall not again descend among the ruins of the fall. Praise be to his holy name. Jesus became sin that by the grace of God, he might taste death in our place. This is what Easter is about. Christ's death in our place. Friends, Easter is not just a weekend affair. This event on Mount Calvary should be an event that is on our minds, an event that we meditate upon every day of our lives. But again, remember, as the point of today, that we do not have Easter without Christmas. Consider verse 10. For it was fitting that he from whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Church, Jesus is the pioneer. He is the captain. He is the founder of our salvation. It is fitting that the, that, that the, sorry, it was fitting that God the Father would send Jesus to suffer in our stead and that through his suffering, Jesus would receive glory. It was fitting because it was part of the eternal purpose of God. Consider Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Church, we have a leader to follow. We have a captain to instruct us. He is a worthy captain. And like the song sings, he is the lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Church, he is worthy. But as the song asks the question, I must ask tonight, do you believe that he is worthy? If he is worthy, then why aren't you following his orders as the captain that he is? If he is worthy, why then do you borrow the tactics of the evil one to fight your troubles or to fight your hardships? Why are you fighting in your own strength if he is worthy to lead you to glory as the captain of your salvation? Then church, he is worthy to lead you and be the captain of your life today. He was made perfect through suffering. A statement that we must be careful of. The statement does not mean that Jesus lacked anything. 
There is no adding, no subtracting to the divine perfections of Jesus Christ because he is immutable. He is unchanging. So Christ is 100% God, and he was 100% God when he walked the earth. But he needed to be 100% man too. If he would be the perfect savior for humanity, Christ needed to become a man. And for him to then be the perfect man whose righteousness we have inherited, he needed to be obedient to the will of the Father. This obedience could only be tested through suffering that he endured on this earth. Dr. Owen says this, The Lord Jesus Christ, being consecrated and perfected through suffering, has consecrated the way of suffering for all his followers to pass through unto glory. And hereby, their sufferings are made necessary and unavoidable. They are hereby made honorable, useful, and profitable. So friends, our suffering is not in vain. Not just the hardship of death, but also the hardships of poverty. The hardships of family strife and conflict. The, the hardships of conflict in the local church or if you've been a victim to crime or you can add to the list. All of these things plus sickness and death happens to us so that we can be made more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, our suffering is never wasted. It is, to lead, it is to lead us down the pathway to eternal glory. And we need to remember that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. He can, for he was, temp he was tempted like you are at every point. Yet our high priest, Jesus Christ, was without sin. So look to him. The path of sorrow and that path alone leads to the land where sorrow is unknown. The path of sorrow and that path alone leads to the land where sorrow is unknown. F.B. Mayer. So consider verse 11 and 12. For he who sanctifies those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers saying, I, tell, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Church, Jesus is making us clean. He is currently separating us from the filth of this world, but it is important for us to know that as he's separating us from the filth of this world, he's not separating us to be an island to ourselves. He is setting us apart to the local church, to be his bride, to the universal church, the believers from every generation, every tongue, and every ethnicity. We all have one source, and that is our heavenly Father. Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father, and we are the children of God by adoption. So we are not just theoretically one family because we come to the same church, but we are in fact one family in Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. So church, he sanctifies us and he makes us one. 
And church, if, if Christ can say, I am not ashamed of calling you brothers, even after seeing the mess from which he has saved you, even after seeing the mess to which we often get caught up in today, then why do we think that we can play favorites in the church or even write people off? These folks that you share a pew with here this, this evening are brothers and sisters for all eternity if they have believed in Jesus Christ. So it is true. You don't choose your family. You simply are born into it. And this evening I want to say it is true that even the family of Christ, you don't choose it. You are simply born into it. So consider verses 13 to the end as I close. And again, I'll put my trust in him. Behold, I and the children God has given me, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. And through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. So friends, there is no child of God that Christ will not save. There is no brother of his that he will not take care of. He has destroyed the power of death, so we no longer have to fear death because our God is risen. Friends, our God will deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We are no longer slaves to sin. We no longer have to be slaves to the fear of death, but we are now slaves to righteousness. Won't you remember your captain? And so to close, taste the fruit of this message. I hope you, you caught the hint there that I was using our senses. So number one, listen and listen carefully. Number two, look and look intently. And number three, taste the fruit of this message. Verse 17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, this message from Christ, the message of Christ, is a practical message. It is not a message that we are to keep in our minds, but it is a message that we are to live out in our hearts. Beloved of God, these things were written that we may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for only our sins, but also for the sins of the world. Jesus is the perfect big brother. He is our Savior. 
He is the Messiah. He is God. So if you do sin, whatever sin it is, bring it to God. He is your advocate as God is going to pour his wrath on you for the sin that you have committed. Jesus steps up as your advocate and says to his father, look at my work on the cross. Uh, This sin has been accounted in my account. Let him free for he has my righteousness. Oh, repent, dear believer. Repent of your sins. Take your sins to the cross. Ask the Lord to forgive you. And as you pray there, shut the whispers of the devil that this sin is too big for the grace of God. But allow the gospel to transform your life. Won't you pray as Christ taught his disciples to pray? Father, forgive us our sins as we also forgive the sins of those who have sinned against us. And let us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So to close, number one, pay careful attention to the message of Christ. Pay careful attention to the message of Christ, lest you drift away. It is neglect to the truth that will lead you to the ocean of death. It is trusting in something other than Christ that will lead you to death. It is clinging to something either than Christ that will allow you to drift away. As we've come through Easter, won't you take this message and remember it every day that you do not drift away. Pay careful attention. I am sounding their alarm. But number two, Jesus had to become man that he could suffer and die to save us. His suffering and his death will lead those who've placed their trust in Jesus to glory with him and we will rule over his creation again. He has absolutely not subjected the world to come to the angels, but he has subjected it to you. You in whose likeness he now shares. So I want to end with a quote on the gospel, and then I pray. How the gospel is described. It is salvation, a great salvation, So great salvation that no other salvation can compare with it. So great that none can fully express nor yet conceive how great it is. It is a great salvation that the gospel discovers. For it discovers a great Savior, one who has manifested God to be reconciled to our nature and reconcilable to our persons. It shows how we may be saved from so great sin and so great misery and be restored to so great holiness and so great happiness. The gospel discovers to us a great sanctifier to qualify us for salvation and bring to us, sorry, and bring us to the Savior. 
the gospel unfolds a great and excellent dispensation of grace, a new covenant, the great charter deed, an instrument is settled and secured to all those who come into the bond of the covenant. Is he worthy? He is. Let's pray. And Lord Jesus, we do want to say thank you. Lord, as we have remembered your betrayal, Lord, as we've remembered your denial, Lord, as we've remembered you being struck and slapped and you being mocked and scoffed at, as we remember you being spat on, as we remember the crown of thorns that were placed on your head and the blood that was gushing from your forehead to your face, as we remember the lashes you received on your back, as we remember the spear you received on your side, as we remember the words, it is finished, we want to say thank you. Thank you, dear God, for the weekend that was and Thank you, God, for the plan that was written in eternity past, that God so intentionally planned to save humanity through the work of his one and only Son. Christ became man that he would die for us. But today we gathered with joy in our hearts because we are not mourning a Savior who is in a tomb, but we are celebrating a Christ who is risen, a Christ who has secured us a hope that is alive. So God, I do want to pray for those among us who don't know you, who have anchored their, their salvation or they've anchored their hopes on something other than you. God, I pray that today you would show them the great pioneer of so great a salvation. Lord, draw them to yourself. We pray for us who say that we believe in you, us who understand and believe that we are your children through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray that you'd protect us. Help us to, to pay much attention to your message, lest we drift away. God, I pray that there would be none among us who drift away, but I pray that you'd help us to persevere till the end. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.